We're back here at Subsequent Movie Podcast, Resident Evil Club, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that, with the follow-up to 2002's uh, Tremendous Resident Evil. We are just after finished watching uh, 2004's Resident Evil Apocalypse, and Ryan, I think this movie has given me a splitting headache. <laughs> It kind of did. I'm glad you feel the same way yeah. because I I am not feeling great right now. This is like this is a movie that we talked about it a little bit on our last episode, right? This is a movie that people considered for a while to be the worst in this franchise, right? Right, yeah. And I could never really pinpoint why that was. But watching it with you, I think we realize it's because the editing in this film is just nauseating. <laughs> it's it's really bad. This is this is not a horrible movie, but it's just off the bat. I think this is worse than the first one. Yeah, I I think it still has like it's got its great moments. It still has that goofy charm that these whole this whole series has. But yeah, like the editing of this the. The constant camera cuts and the shaky oh cam God. and the slow it's... motion and the low frame rate of these action scenes. Uh... It's just, it's, it's, it's so hard to watch when like shit yeah. starts popping off and it's so hard to follow what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it carries so many of the flaws of the original, but like it compounds them and makes them worse. Like when you combine <laughs> the like, first one's like lack of a defined space and like you put in like just the way it edits together all of its movements in this one it's so hard to follow mm. and it's just headache inducing <laughs> it's it's really it's really bad and it's funny because i think that's largely the same kind of criticism people have of the last one final chapter yeah. that movie cuts like every millisecond i i saw that in a theater and i'll tell that story when we get to it but I think the reason that Apocalypse is one of the movies in this franchise I remember the least about is because my brain just shuts itself off as a defense mechanism when when yeah. you watch this movie, right? Because there are definitely moments where, you know, stuff happens and you can tell what's going on, but... Basically, every action sequence in this is incomprehensible. If you held a gun to my head, I could not tell you how, like, the martial arts of this film unfold in basically any of the set pieces, right? Like, I can tell you mm -hmm. what happens, you know, like, oh, th she's in the church and she kills the liquors and there's a gunfight, but, like... If you had me go beat by beat like this, and and you know we're both people with 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 uh, with you know not to be pretentious, but we have we, we're educated when it comes to movies to some degree, right? Like we know how right. To, we both to went to break. film school. <laughs> yeah, we 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 ostensibly ostensibly us two chuckle fucks know how to like break down a sequence, break down like a scene, that kind of thing, like go beat by beat. But this is a movie that. 
I think just kind of defies any attempt to do that because unless you're going frame by frame through almost any of the action sequences in this, you will just have absolutely no idea <laughs> what's going on. It's rough. It's rough. I did enjoy the movie. I will say that. Yes, like, it's Resident totally. Evil. You know, I laughed. I had a good enough time with it. But my my eyes do feel like they're bulging out of my skull a little bit. Uh, so this one, uh, kind of before we get into it, right? This one was not directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, correct? No, this this was directed by somebody named Alexander Witt, who is mostly a second unit guy uh, throughout his career. This was, I think, his only... Uh, like director role that he ever had. Uh, Paul Anderson did write and produce this though, and I feel like yes, despite the fact that like he's not credited as the director of this thing, it is still very much his movie and very much his oh one hundred percent. Like it, it still has his stink all over it. Like even though he's not yeah. the director. This movie, this movie is kind of where we get into like the the first inklings i suppose of where he wants to take this franchise right with like the writing and sort of the direction uh so with that uh do you want me to go ahead and give the uh, three sentence summary since you did the uh the last one yeah please go ahead all right this this is going to be a tough one i'm not gonna lie (laughs) this is going to be difficult (laughs) uh partially because i don't it's it's hard to tell what's happening and second of all uh we'll, we'll, we'll get it we'll get into it but um okay sentence number one Directly after the events of the first Resident Evil movie, Alice awakens inside an umbrella facility and is let loose onto the streets of Raccoon City, where a zombie apocalypse has sprung up in the span of two hours. Right. She must make her way out of the city to survive and avoid the new bioweapon nemesis with the help of her allies, Jill Valentine and Carlos. Along the way, they rescue the daughter of the guy who invented the T-virus, and then there's a half an hour ending sequence where the helicopter, they're escaping on crashes, and it turns out that Alice is psychic for some reason. The end. Yeah, that's that's, that's pretty succinctly put, (laughs) um, honestly. Well, I mean, like, for everything that happens in this movie, nothing happens, right? Like, she wakes up... (laughs) She wakes up, she meets up with Jill Valentine. Uh they get they get assigned by the the dude with the tiny glasses to save his daughter. Then that's the entire movie and then there's this protracted ending sequence that uh that we'll get to eventually. But like this movie I think is interesting because it picks up directly like literally directly where the first one left off, right? Like we get yeah. a bit of um we get a bit of padding. We see the uh, we see the virus start to break out. We meet Jill, but then we get kind of a, a cut down version of her hospital escape from the end of the first one. And um, you could really easily with these two films uh, do kind of like a Godfather Part One, Part Two style edit, where you just smash these together to make one like three hour, 20 minute film. And it would work like, like the, like even though, like you said, the film is made by someone else. The tone is similar enough and consistent enough. Um, this movie is a lot bluer. It has a lot less Marilyn Manson in it. So 
there's that kind of a change but otherwise you could you could very easily make this one big uh like like three three hour movie and i think um it's kind of like with me uh these two the first one in apocalypse are their own sort of thing and then afterlife and retribution are kind of the same thing where they're 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 one experience right like they're the yes, kill bill yes. volume one and two uh, of this franchise yeah. whereas uh three and six uh extinction and final chapter those are just kind of like bookends in a way right like extinction mm-hmm. is very transitory in tone and final chapter final chapter is almost like an epilogue in a certain way right like yeah, it, it really it has very little to do with actually wrapping up the plot of this franchise but um we'll get to that when we get there right yeah i i would say that like extinction is sort of the bridge from like the original idea behind the series to the total like nonsense yeah. that uh that it gets to and Final chapters, just like, well, let's try and figure out some way to end this fucking series. Yeah. No like, one, no one could be, no one could come back for this movie, and I'm sick of these films, so let's just wrap yeah, this up, let's basically. Just, let's just get this done. Yeah, it really yeah. does feel like that. But, um, but before we get there, we do have uh, Apocalypse, which I would argue is certainly the most quote unquote game accurate of any of these films, right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, a mishmash of two and three in a lot of ways like it's it, it's very i would say faithful well not very faithful to, to three referential. But I, referential 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 yeah I, it feels like like uh, like fan fiction of three in a way where he has yes. created this oc that he's dropped into resident evil three and like <laughs> yeah. decided decided that she's the star and jill is just like this bumbling fucking idiot who can't do anything yeah. like it, it's it's very very like much the point of this series where he sta- he stakes like Alice in as Superwoman, basically like as yeah. this yeah. undefeatable, like monstrous, like perfect character who is just like unkillable and unstoppable. Like it's yeah, definitely. that's what this movie is. That's that's mo- what this movie establishes pretty much. Yeah, I think if you've played, um, if you're listening and you haven't seen this movie, or if you're listening and you have seen this movie and you've played the Resident Evil games, you'll have a lot more context for this film, right? Because yeah. um, the first, I would say, four-fifths of this are, are, like you said, basically Resident Evil 3. They're in Raccoon City, uh, Jill Valentine's there, and uh, Nemesis gets unleashed. And boy, howdy, I get the <laughs> feeling I'm going to spend a lot of this podcast talking about Nemesis, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, but Nemesis gets unleashed, and they basically follow the 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 basic plot structure of three uh, people get infected by the T virus. Uh, Nemesis is there, and they have to beat him. But it's very loose, right? I've mm-hmm. never I've never actually played the original version of Resident Evil Three. I've only played the remake, which is an excellent game. I, I cannot believe that came out this year. That feels like it was two years ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I love that game. I highly recommend if anyone's listening and has an interest, uh, play the remakes of two and three, and uh, play play four as well. Four is a four is a classic for a reason. But um, anyway, you'll you'll have a lot more context for this film, right? Because ostensibly nemesis is meant to be this kind of terminator like super zombie right uh, nemesis in the games is this this hulking 
sort of stitched together mega zombie in like a like a trench coat, like combat boots, you mm-hmm. know, rocket launcher, fucked up face. I, I I think I mentioned this on our last episode. I like Nemesis a lot. I like Nemesis's uh, design in both versions uh, for different reasons. But this is obviously the original version, right? And yeah. um, I like I like it so much because it's this very it's this very of its time intersection of like almost nineties, like early two thousands, like body horror cyberpunk, but like gothic, you know, leather buckles, combat boots. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's this very very interesting sort of uh, intersection of, of of varying design philosophies, but. They they do the dudes so dirty in this film, right? <laughs> like, really like, like like it's so so Mila Jovovich, right? She is, I believe, five nine. I looked it up while we were watching the film, okay. and um, Nemesis can't be any more in this movie than like six two, like at the most. It's- uh, that that's charitable. I feel like to him, <laughs> like. Well, it'd be easier to tell if the action sequences weren't so incomprehensible, right? Like you never yeah. get. You never get a sense of scale of Nemesis in relation to the other characters, and I have to assume that's because the guy playing Nemesis is like five nine, and it, it, it's it's yeah. like they really his his outfit, Nemesis's costume feels cobbled together from like Party City Spirit Halloween, like just just leftovers. It, it's really it's really really embarrassing, you know. And it's um, very rubbery. It's very cheap looking. It's like, very rubbery. That's a good word. That's a it, good it, word it, for yeah, it. Yeah, it, it very much looks like a costume, you know, like as opposed mm-hmm. to a creature. Yeah, it, it's not it, like there's a certain amount of viscera and gore like when you look at nemesis as he's supposed to be that just isn't there he's just he's just this kind of wet shiny rubbery like <laughs> costume in this and and yeah like the dude is like five nine five ten probably like there yeah. there is a shot of him that i did see when he's fighting mila near the end where it's like she goes she comes up like to halfway on his head like height wise so uh-huh. he's he's like an inch or two taller than her and it's it's mm-hmm. it, like nemesis is supposed to be like eight foot tall or whatever yeah, you know like he's uh, supposed uh, to be uh, huge let me see here um so i'm trying to find like a nemesis height reading because i think this is really important i need to know uh, I, I need to know Nemesis's height. I need to know his his shoe size. Really important for me yeah. to know how big the feet are on this bad boy. Uh, so it doesn't seem like there's an official answer, but on uh, Quora.com, sort of the new Yahoo answers, uh, how much did Nemesis weigh in Resident Evil 3 approximately? And um, this uh, this person whose name is uh, Ferris, they describe themselves as an avid gamer. Okay. Uh, they say, if we are to take them at their word, they say Nemesis is close to 7 feet 3 inches or about 2.2 meters. Uh, so I, I feel like in the games, Nemesis is a little bit taller than that. But um, I don't know, 7-3, seven, seven, especially in the remake, seems kind of short for how tall Nemesis is. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I I could be wrong. Uh, the the point is the point is not how big or big or not big a nemesis is in the games. His shoe size, you know what they say about big zombie feet. Uh, the point here is that the one in this movie sucks complete ass, and I I think that's like 
more so than anything in terms of like the editing that is real uh really my bone to pick with this movie is that um not even that they were unfaithful to the games because none of these movies are faithful to the games right like what what really pisses me off about it is that they literally handed them this perfect action movie plot on a platter, right? Like that's, that's literally what the Resident Evil three remake did. It was like an eight hour long horror action film in video game form. Right. Right. Like they literally said, here you go, Paul, here is a, a, a custom made mall goth resident evil Terminator character. All you have to do is rip off Terminator and there's your movie. And he couldn't even do that, right? Like there's no. this whole plot. There's this whole plot where where the guy who is the who is like the pencil pusher fake cop environmentalist from the first movie, he he is Nemesis, right? And and mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, there's this bit where Nemesis is like touched like like by by Alice's, you know, humanity and he turns good and like guns down all these guys and it's like fuck off. Like come on, dude. This is your villain. This is like your big hulking mindless terminator zombie monster, right? And this is the direction you go with it. So yeah. I don't know. That's that's a lot of that bullshit up front for me. <laughs> yeah. But it just I'm- it just always pisses me off about this movie. Yeah, I, and I, I get it, you know, like, they do him, they do do him very dirty, he's, like, 200 pounds, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not, Not right. intimidating like, at all. Yeah, he's not intimidating at all, he's, he's just a dude in a, in a rubber suit, and it's, it, it, it really is, like, I, cause, I mean, th- there is a certain type of person who really loves Resident Evil and who really hates these movies, and, <laughs> yeah. like, really, like, if you look at the reception of these movies online like there are a lot of people who really hate the portrayal of all these characters from the games but nemesis like is nemesis of all of them is the one that like i feel like okay like i, I i'm willing to get on board with your weird versions of all the other characters but not nemesis because it's just so it's just so done. easy it's such a slam dunk right it should yeah. be so easy for them to make like the monster is already made you don't have to change it yeah and and like there's weird stuff in this where nemesis is ostensibly this dude from the first movie but uh-huh. also they're they're like there's like some umbrella dudes just like controlling him like he's a video him. game yeah. like you, you like, get to see it you get to see nemesis's pov and he has like a heads-up display with like an ammo count and like a fall yeah. new vegas vat style targeting system like it's fucking dead by daylight or something yeah it's it's, it's very it's, strange it's really weird i mean it's very funny right like it's hilarious yeah, um yeah. But um, do we want to go ahead and just kind of go through this and see what we have to talk about here? Because I think um, I think this is a movie with a few high highs, but the but a few low lows as well. Yeah, I just just before we like really start running down the plot of this thing, though, I do want to bring up something that we both really noticed this time around, and I think it was because like we've both uh, upped our like headphone quality and shit like oh, in, yeah. rec- in recent uh, times, but like. The sound design of this fucking movie is it's crazy. Bananas. It's like <laughs> the 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 soundtrack veers from the same sort of like Marilyn Manson like vaguely industrial sounds to like just standard like cinematic score. There's weird uh-huh. sound effects like there's laser sound effects going off when people are <laughs> shooting pistols. It's yeah. It's it's 
unbelievable. Like the the mix, the way bones break, everything is just so strange. It's very bizarre. the The moment I really noticed it is there's a scene, uh, maybe like close to halfway through the movie, right where they um. Uh, Alice and the band of survivors run into like a graveyard or something and mm-hmm. they get attacked by all these zombies and it's this like maelstrom of of just this horrible editing editing that makes it impossible to, to tell what's happening but like every millisecond there's like a bone crack or like a whip sound effect and like this like rumbling dis it's just so much it's it's so much to absorb at any given time um that is something else that I think is kind of a knock for me on this movie is that it doesn't sound as much like knockoff Nine Inch Nails. The The score mm. itself is very, very conventional in places. And there's a few moments where it gets kind of wacky with the, you know, sort of industrial vibe. But overall, it, it does sort of shed that sense of identity that the first movie had. Yeah, yeah. For For all this movie sort of has a more distinct look to it which is not a good look but it has a more distinct just blue look. just yeah, very just blue. blue just everything is blue like the <laughs> the audio design is just so all over the place it it really feels like alexander witt wanted to do one thing and paul w sanderson wanted to do another thing i think like, that's fair yeah like I, I could see there being some sort of turmoil between the two of them um with regards to this, but I, I guess we should just get into it, right? Like yeah. it's Yeah, let's 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 go through. Let's talk about some movies, tell some jokes, and uh, see what shakes loose. Sure. So I, I guess we start off here uh with like a bunch of like black escalades driving into the city of Toronto. This is this is <laughs> this is It's very the, Toronto. It's very Toronto. Most of this movie takes place around like I forget what it's called, but there's like a plaza in the middle of downtown Toronto, there's like a skating and like an ice skating rink there in the winter. It's like all around that like area, right did in you, the center of Toronto. Did you live in Toronto when you were in Canada? Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. Did you did yeah. you do like an apocalypse sightseeing tour while you were there? Uh, I didn't, but like it, it was it was one of those things where like after I had lived there and then watched Apocalypse, I'm like, oh, I know this street. Yeah. Like this is very obviously Toronto. Um, <laughs> That's Canadian funny, yeah. Canadians will be aware of uh, of Pizza Pizza. There is a lot of Pizza Pizza restaurants in this movie, um, <laughs> just all over the place. It's it's wild, but yeah. So these these Escalades are driving into Toronto. They're in, they're going into the suburbs and they stop at this house and these agents get out and they're like, they're, they're basically picking up various like high level umbrella employees, right? To, to get mm -hmm. them out of the city here. And so they go to one of these mansions and the dude answers the door. And this is ostensibly Paul W.S. Anderson's version of William Birkin from the video yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, who he's renamed to like Dr. Ashford, I think it is. I right? think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's something Ashford. Yeah. So he's, he's, uh, he's a wheelchair bound dude. He's got just the wildest glasses I've ever seen. The in my world's life. smallest eyeglasses. They're tiny little glasses. It's like he took the glasses out of a Mr. Potato Head kit. Like, it yeah. really is. I don't think the lenses on those glasses are any larger than, like, my thumb, right? It, it yeah. is It is obscenely small. They're like the size of a coin at most. Yeah. Like, they're tiny. Um, so, yeah, they try to, they tell him that they're, 
extracting him and he's like but what about my daughter she's at school and they're like oh it's been taken care of so they you cut to the school and you see the daughter getting up and being taken out by some of these like goons in suits Mm -hmm. and they're driving out of the school when for some reason they're in a car accident (laughs) um, and everybody except her is killed somehow it's really jarring like it it comes out of nowhere like I, i guess it's meant to be sort of like a like a jump scare but they're just driving and this car just completely t-bones them and flips it over and everyone dies except the girl and it never comes up again like like yeah. it's never it's never addressed or mentioned after that like never she's again. fine she, she's yeah. perfectly fine she's perfectly fine and so then we we see a pair of legs um and the legs turn on the tv and like it's the local news and the, the news anchors like people are going wild downtown and the cops are shooting people it's all going crazy and then we see you know like an answering machine the the pair of legs answers that or like turns on the answering machine grabs a gun and we get this bananas cut where it's like a car driving past the lens uh-huh um and we see what can only be Jill Valentine hell yeah uh walking into the like police station where she just starts shooting people this in the This is head. such a this is such a good scene like everything about this scene is like just so choice like like the camera going up her legs as she goes into the police department she walks in you see the zombies and like just that she just starts doming these zombies in the yeah. head as everyone starts yelling at her it's it's really incredible um yeah hell of a character introduction right hell, um hell of a character introduction she is played by sienna guillory who she's bad in all of these movies but this is her strongest she's, performance. She's all right. She's all right in this one, right? Like if I had seen this as as like a teenager, I'd have been like, "Wow, wah wah wee wah," you know, yeah. which 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 is the effect here, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I I definitely was when I saw that as a yeah. teenager. I was like, "Oh sure. hell yeah!" Like, yeah. But, Despite God. this being like an actions like like horror zombie movie, there's still a lot of the male gaze in this uh, totally, with her. Yeah. And Mila Mila is very nude at points in this film, which which kind of surprised me. I, I I didn't expect that after the first one. Yeah, she is. But so this is the one scene in this entire movie where Jill is portrayed as sort of competent, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, because she's just doming all these zombies in in the police station. Uh, we get introduced to LJ here, who is uh, a black right. stereotype. Um, Very bad. Being, yeah. Like, there is no other way to put it. He is, he is there to be the comic relief, like, racist depiction of a black person. Um, he's, of course, been arrested. Uh, she shoots a zombie that's sitting next to him that was also arrested. She shoots his handcuffs and tells him to get out of the city mm-hmm. and then she just walks out of the police station just and all leaves the cops are, all the cops yeah. are like jill where are you going and it's yeah. just like and and it, i think after this is when like we get back to Mila, we get right? uh, we get alice waking up so um yeah. alice wakes up here and we get kind of a repeat of the ending sequence of the first film but there is uh speaking of alice something very important that we didn't cover starting off this film okay this is the first movie in the franchise. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about uh, hallmarks of this franchise, uh, the surveillance cameras, you know, slow motion bullets, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Apocalypse is the first film which starts with the recap. 
Uh, This movie starts with Mila Jovovich looking directly at the camera and saying, I'm Alice, this is my story. And she goes on a like minute and a half long recap with reused footage of literally everything that happens in the first film. Yeah. This becomes a hallmark of this franchise. It's in every movie from here on out. I think by the time we get to the end, uh, maybe not in retribution, but in final chapter, there's a recap that's like fully four minutes long that goes down the entire franchise. Yeah. But, um, I, I, th- I think that's the final chapter. And I think the reason it's so long is because they completely change the story. They, they retcon right? everything. Like, yeah. yeah. They completely change everything. But um, yeah. this is a, uh, this is Paul's little way of saying, Hey, you know, maybe you didn't see my first movie, but you're coming to see it with your friends after school. They're like, oh, it's the weekend, dude. There's this great, you know, Resident Evil. Oh, it's so sick. This is this is what catches you up to speed, right? The little yeah. recap and uh, yeah. tells you everything. But then we fast forward through everything and we're here. We're with Alice and we get a uh, edited down version of the ending where she wakes up in the hospital pulls the tubes out of her head and stumbles into the streets of Raccoon City, uh, grabs the shotgun and just kind of goes tottering off into the distance, right? Yeah, and and here is where, like, all sense of time and place in this movie just goes out the window because, like, at this point it's still the daytime and then we cut to, like, the middle of the night, I guess, where all these people are trying to get out of these barricades somehow umbrella in like the two hours <laughs> since <laughs> this thing has gotten out have completely walled in raccoon city like completely yeah. very um, efficient yeah so there's we're introduced to the to i guess the bad guy of this movie some german dude who uh i don't, I don't even remember what his name is no i have no idea i'm just going to refer to him as 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 uh mads mickelson from here on out because yeah. We we watched this and I it was really uncanny to me because if this movie had been made like eight years later with a higher budget, this German villain guy would just be played by Mads Mikkelsen. And I don't say that just because he's he's, you know, European and he has that kind of affectation. But like all of his mannerisms, all of the ways that he delivers his lines, like the ways he pause, like like how he pauses, like how he moves his head, mm-hmm. it is like you could just paste like deep fake Mads Mikkelsen's head onto this dude and there would be no change. Like, like yeah. the performance is one-to-one. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find this character's name. Uh, I believe his name is major Kane, uh, played, Kane. By, played okay. by Thomas Kreshman, I, I believe. So mm. he was in some Avengers movies. He was in the Peter Jackson King Kong as well. Uh, okay, so there he's, you he's go. doing well for himself, surprisingly, after after this. But um, after, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, so all the people are trying to get out of the city. Uh, a guy looks like he's having a heart attack. Uh, Jill is there with like a reporter who has a video camera, and it turns out the guy who's having the heart attack is turning into a zombie. And uh, Major Kane freaks out, and they wall off the outside of the city and seal everybody in. Yeah, they do, and. After he seals everybody in, um, there's there's one of these umbrella dudes who is like a friend of Jill's, I guess. Um, uh-huh. uh, and he's like trying to get everybody under control. He's helping. He gets bitten by this guy that turns into a zombie and then Jill caps him like the zombie dude. Yeah. Um, and the reporter is there with her little handy cam and she's freaking out. And then this German guy just, uh, just instructs all these umbrella security guys to just 
turn the fucking guns on like all yeah. these people who are trying to get out of the city. Yeah. Um, which in 2020, that's uh, a hell of a thing to see happen in a movie. Um, you know, it really is. The real world. Maybe Resident Evil Apocalypse, we should give this more credit. Very uh, prescient societal statement about the state mm-hmm. of the world in 2020, you know. Uh, yeah. Really, really, really potent work here from Mr. Anderson and, and company. Yeah, so they tur- they turn the guns on all these like civilians and start mowing them down. Somehow, this reporter Jill and this other dude just like get leave. out away, yeah. <laughs> just like leave, just walk away. Um, and they walk into like just down the street, basically into a church. <laughs> yeah, they, um, again, like we said, there is no sense of space in this film. Like, no. like time and space in this movie mean absolutely nothing. This could take place over three hours. It could take. I, I think it takes place over like just a night, right? But yeah, it um, does. time seems to move as the narrative dictates it in this. Yeah, and I, I think actually in between them leaving and arriving at the church, we are introduced to Carlos and Nikolai, right? Yes, like, yes. They um we we get a cut, I believe, to a woman running up the stairs from the zombies, and um, th- this is something I noticed uh, about this movie this time around is that the film is very inconsistent on the logic of the zombies. There mm-hmm. are moments when they're like George Romero kind of very slow zombies, and then there are moments where they're like Zack Snyder, like Dawn of the Dead remake fast zombies, right? And right, um, right. it really only seems to switch as the narrative needs it to. Uh, this woman's like going up these stairs, and these zombies are like running up after her. Then there are points where the zombies barely seem to move at all. Like uh, later on, we catch up with the Ashford girl again and she's like, it's okay. They're slow. And it's like, I don't think they are like, they chase this woman up (laughs) a skyscraper, but, um, she gets out onto the roof and she's cornered. And there's this incredible moment where Carlos comes in, repelling off the side of a helicopter, dual wielding pistols and just like laying lead into all these zombies. Uh, It's really great. And then there's a really hysterical moment where uh, the woman has been bitten. She's freaking out uh, and she jumps off the side of the building and you don't hear or see anything, but then there's just like a zoom on like her dead corpse at the bottom of this building, like really, really small in the frame. It's, it's just jarring, right? Like, yeah, it's one of those things that catches you off guard and you just laugh at it because it's so absurd. Yeah, there, there, there are quite a few just wild zooms in this movie where they just happen for no reason and they take you out of it every single time. Like, the, some of the shot choices in this movie like made us both be just like, "What was that?" Like, very bizarre, very bizarre yeah. choices in this film. There's a very strange point of view shot, like, towards the very end that I think both just knocked us on our ass. Like, we were just like, whoa, we'll get to that later. Um, There's a few moments where it feels like they speed up the frame rate for, like, no reason whatsoever. Yeah, the frame rate of this seems to be all over the place. It slows down to, like, single digits at points. It gets real fast at other points. It's... It's it's very much Paul W.S. Henderson, like, trying to be stylish or, like... I don't know. It's this movie is yeah. like we've said it already. It's it's terrible to look at this movie. <laughs> it's really um, bad to see with my eyeballs. Yeah. Um. So this is this is where they go to the church, right? 
Yes. This is also where I noted that roughly 40% of this film is like surveillance camera footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some of that in the first one, but this I think has the most out of any of these movies where there is uh, Dr. Ashford who's watching them through the security cameras and there's just so much of this that is seen through like the lens of the reporter's video camera through the security cameras on computer screens through heads up displays. And, you know, uh, if you want to make a point about uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's big statement about surveillance and uh, media or whatever the hell else that people argue these movies are about, I guess this is kind of the text that you would pull from for that. Mm, but mm. it is it is like obsessive to the point of absurdity in this. It, it's like every other cut uh, goes to a wireframe map or a security camera in this movie. Yeah, like some somehow Dr. Ashford is like at the umbrella like firefest operation yeah they're, they're just it's it's the tents from firefest yeah they're just in a field and somehow he has access on his sony vio laptop to every <laughs> every security camera in the entire city like and he's always just able to pinpoint wherever Milijovic is at any point somehow um it's it's one of those things you're just not really supposed to think about no no totally but, um, not so yeah, Jill, the reporter lady, and the other dude, uh, they get to the, this church. They're being followed by zombies. They close the door. There's a guy in there already, and he's like, get out of here. I'm holding up here. Oh, yeah, I forgot hear, about that dude. They, they hear a noise. Jill goes to investigate, and this church is huge and like... It's like a full cathedral, like a, like a national yeah. cathedral kind yeah, of Yeah, and, and this is really where the, the sense of spacing goes completely out the window, but some, somewhere <laughs> in, in this... In this cathedral, she finds her way, I guess, to the, like, priest's quarters. Uh-huh. Uh, there's, like, a woman in a chair facing away from her, and she's like, hello, hello, or whatever. The priest comes in, and she's like, it's my sister, she's sick. And you get this reveal that this oh priest has been feeding people to his zombified sister. This is so bananas, right? Because... This 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 outbreak has happened in like three hours, right? And this dude yeah. is already like, well, guess I'll guess I'll go out and kill people, you know. And um, I guess there is a little bit of an element of that in the second game, right? Like, there's the guy mm-hmm. who's um kidnapping people and killing them, but I think the implication is he was doing that before the zombies happened, right? Yeah, yeah. And so is. and so the idea that this dude has his sister. And, like, she gets bit, and he is just... This priest is so, like, metatextually aware of the fact that he's in a zombie movie, right? And that he has to, like, feed his sister flesh to just go out and do that in the space of three hours. Like, I want to know what this dude is uh, is up yeah, to. I want to see real, the movie yeah. about this guy. <laughs> yeah. So... Jill tries to, like, wrestle with this guy, basically, so he can kill the zombie. Somehow she, the zombie, frees herself from the bindings and gets up and eats the priest, and Jill presumably kills her. Um, Jill starts skulking around a little bit more, uh, and then somehow, like, the other three that are left in this in this cathedral start hearing noises. One of these, the, like, dude we've just met, uh, starts freaking out and he starts running around the cathedral and is attacked and killed by a liquor from the the first movie basically there's more of them somehow that have been around in this fucking cathedral the entire time 
which prompts the reporter to try it. No, first the reporter tries to escape first after she hears Jill sure. um, shoot the thing because they open the doors and the zombies like try to get in. They eventually close it, and that's when the dude freaks out and starts running around. Um, so Jill comes back out, and her and this like. He's like an umbrella security guy, right? Like, um, uh, you, the, or is he a cop? I think he's a, he's an umbrella security guy because he was with Umbrella. Yeah, uh, I, thing, I really don't. I really don't remember to uh, be honest. Yeah, um, and so they start shooting at this liquor. It's going poorly, and then you just hear the uh, revving of boom. an engine, Ryan, and it just. <laughs> God, what a scene! What a scene! So you hear the revving of the engine. They look up at the uh, stained glass window. You see an approaching headlight, and here she is. Alice has found a motorcycle and crashes through the stained glass window and just grinds these liquors into ground beef. It is it is really incredible. Like it is it, great. Top three, top three cinematic moments of Resident Evil Apocalypse right here. Yeah. So she's just lighting this liquor up. Somehow this liquor ends up in the air and she like, no, she sets the like, I am, um, I'm going to be honest. I am astounded at your memory of these films because you are, <laughs> you are like hitting details that I like, I have already flushed out of my brain. Like, like just you, you are going like frame <laughs> by frame through this movie and say, it saying stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds right. Like I literally, have no comprehension of any of the action sequences in this <laughs> film whatsoever. I mean, it, it's such an iconic moment, though. Like, somehow the liquor and the bike both end up in the air. Yeah. And she just shoots the bike with her, like, Uzis, and it explodes. Yeah. And just yeah. fills this church full of fire, basically. <laughs> it's really potent. Like, um, that is that is what I'm talking about with this movie is it having really high moments, right? Because that is an incredible moment, but like everything between now and like when Nemesis shows up is just like a blur to me. Like, like stuff happens and it's, it's totally unremarkable, but the motorcycle scene is what I wish this entire movie had been like, right? Like, like it's really an indication of where this franchise is going to go from here on out. Yeah, it really is. So, Okay, so after she blows up the this liquor with the bike, I, I guess she and Jill have like this weird standoff where they're right, 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 like yeah. trying to determine who the alpha is between the two of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and Mila just immediately like stakes her dominance over this. Um, and I think at this point we're like back with. Nikolai and Carlos, maybe right. they're just like this shooting is, people in the streets. They're shooting, they're shooting zombies in the streets, and they're like, "Oh, we have to get out." And they see a helicopter, and they set off a flare. But little do they know, Niall, the Nemesis program has been activated. The Nemesis program has been activated. We get this sequence from the hospital of Nemesis oh being God. being the, birthed. The 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 the. the you want to talk about audio design in this sequence, right? <laughs> this part, first of all, there's a part where they activate the Nemesis program, and there is a heads up, like, computer program that says Nemesis program activated and has, like, a Nemesis acting resume headshot JPEG 
that like pulls up <laughs> next to the, yeah. to the thing, despite Nemesis <laughs> never having been active before this. No. Um, and you get into this like montage. It feels a lot like a, you know the you know the the bumper like the you wouldn't steal a car or whatever mm-hmm, like the anti piracy mm-hmm. thing. It feels like yeah. that. It's like yeah. Nemesis's body in the hospital. It's cutting to like all the monitors as they do like three D scans of his body. And there's this crazy soundtrack cue that I don't know how I would notice it if I wasn't wearing headphones, but it's kind of like, you know, the banger, like Marilyn Manson, but there's this sound like a, like when you wobble a sheet of plastic that like is really mm-hmm. mixed up against this. I don't know. It's, it's a bizarre choice, but Nemesis wakes up, there's the helicopter there's a great shot where the helicopter just drops these two massive umbrella boxes through the roof of the hospital. And um, I think uh, Carlos and Nikolai, they go into the hospital, right? And they see the cases and they're like, oh, what, what, what's this shit? Like, oh, shit, a rocket launcher. Uh-oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Well, there, there's no rocket launcher in there, right? Like, right. they can well, tell it, by it's the. It's empty. They can tell yeah. by the like the styrofoam outline inside the yeah, case that, that there was that, something in yeah. there. And so we're we're brought back here, I believe, to just like, it's like a like liquor store or something. I don't know what it is, but like uh-huh. periodically throughout this whole thing, we've been getting little interjections of LJ just kind of like farting around and like driving cars <laughs> and like being accosted by like stripper zombies and shit. And so we we're at this like liquor store or like convenience store or whatever it is. And there's this <laughs> you you call him sniper from TFT. He's sniper from TFT. Yeah. He's like this dude with this accent. He has like the hat and everything. He he's like just sitting up in this liquor store popping off zombies and, and saying things that sound like something the sniper from TF2 would say. Like that is like the reference point. Um, yeah. And he's knocking off these zombies and LJ comes up. And of course, because he's a funny black stereotype, uh, he tries to break into a car and uh, the sniper nearly shoots him, but Oh, he was actually shooting a zombie. So it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so LJ stumbles into this, uh, into this store, whatever it is, which is where stars, which, um, mm-hmm. for people who don't know, who aren't like Resident Evil fans, stars is in the games. It's the, it's the like tactical squad that Jill and uh-huh. Chris and Rebecca and like a lot of the main like playable characters are member of, are, uh, they're sort of basically Raccoon City's version of like a SWAT team, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so stars are are all in here. It's just a bunch of middle aged white guys, and the leader of stars in this looks like the guy from A Talking Cat. Yeah, it it may it may be him for all we know. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so he, you know, LJ's like thanking them for letting him in, and this guy's like, okay, you gotta help us defend this place. He tries to hand him like a shotgun, and again, because LJ's a stereotype, he's like motherfucker i got custom guns and he's got these like two golden glocks duke or whatever. Nukem, like duke nukem golden guns yeah. yeah and here is where we see oh. our boy for the first time nemesis here just, he is in all oh of his Lord. glory he comes like the way they frame it is so good because he comes like stomping around the side of this car there's like fog everywhere there's like blue lights i don't think they ever show a full body shot of nemesis in this entire film right like he's he's like the it's like the first godzilla movie 
Whereas uh, Godzilla used the concept of metonymy to like make Godzilla look bigger in comparison to everything. Nemesis is the kind of the same, but they do it to hide how small he is, right? Like you never, I really don't think you ever see a toe to tip shot of him in this entire film. Um, he, he comes around and we get the, we get the hilarious, as I said, the heads up display where there's like an ammo count for his rocket launcher and the machine mm-hmm. gun in the upper left corner. Uh, there's like some other shit here and there. There's like operating capacity, which is like a percentage point for some reason. But the uh, the kind of the highlight, like I said, is like the VATS targeting system where it says like stars 12, civilian 1, and he like scans the building. And he just like unloads a pepper grinder on these dudes, right? Like he, yeah. he just pulls out this chain gun and just... They like we said with Nemesis, they do stars so dirty in this film. Like they are completely yeah. useless. It's kind of funny. Like as referential as this is to the uh, to the video game franchise, it's almost like actively hostile towards it at points too. Right? Where mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Where they're like, oh, we can't have all these you know special agents running around. Fuck it, we'll just kill them all at once. And and they do. He he blows them all up. Uh, they get turned to ground beef and uh, LJ is there and he pulls out his golden guns and like surrenders to Nemesis. And apparently Nemesis has like a threat indicator yeah, on the heads he up does. display. And uh, and LJ goes from civilian threat minimal to non-combatant threat zero. And Nemesis just uh, turns Xbox 360 degrees and walks away. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's a hell so, of a sequence. It's really it's, something special. It's really something. It's I always like when like in my mind when I think about these movies, I always think the sniper guy is is like a character, but he's really not. He's no. in like 30 seconds of the movie and he gets, he gets blown killed. up. Yeah. Um so I think from here we're in the graveyard um uh, as they're leaving the church, right? Um Yeah, I I I kind of stopped taking notes uh until we get to the uh, school later on. But I, okay. do, I do think this is where uh, they're fleeing Nemesis. Uh, they Well, they're not fleeing Nemesis. They're fleeing the cathedral. They're fleeing the church. They yeah. go into the graveyard, and it's revealed that Alice and um, Alice has the, uh, the, the, the virus juice in her, right? Or something? Yeah. I think, that, I think that's later. Um, okay, it's revealed sure. that, the, that, um, that the umbrella guy has been bitten um here this is where alice is like is he an to, umbrella guy keep... or is he he's, I, think he's, 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 I think he's a stars guy isn't he he's the maybe um, he's a stars guy he maybe he, he is actually a stars guy yeah, yeah. he's um, like like peyton or something right peyton like, yeah sergeant yeah, peyton. yeah, yeah. He's, so, a, he's, a, he's a stars guy yeah so he, alice wants to shoot him in the head uh and jill is like no i'll take care of it when the time comes trust me i can do it um at this point the like journalist lady is trying to get alice to you know like talk to the camera and tell her everything so that she can win like her emmy award sure Uh, that's her whole motivation throughout this and of course because they're in a graveyard this is the exact time when all the zombies rise from their grave (laughs) and this action sequence is this is where i think we both really really noticed how bad uh the the direction in this movie is it is absolutely um, it's 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 yarf inducing like i i think the reason i don't remember 
a lot of the action moments in this movie is literally because I just had to look away. Right. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's a lot. I, uh, after this is when, uh, they go and they run into nemesis, right? Like this is where they, where Alice meets nemesis for the first time or, or is there something else? See, I can't even remember this, this movie, the, the middle part of this movie is just kind of like a slop to me. There's, there's not much to differentiate it. Yeah, at at some point I think they 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 meet up with LJ, right? Cuz they steal a car and as they're driving along, LJ runs out in the street and he's like, "Hey, help me. I'm not one of the zombies or whatever." So they meet yeah. up with him and then they wind up in like a cable car at some point where basically all the exposition is happening. No, they they're like walking around near the CN Tower, I think, and the phones are ringing. And yeah, Ashford, because, um, Ashford Ashford's like, calling. Yeah, because Ashford is basically like, I want you to save my daughter, uh, and then I can get you out of here. And then they wind up in this cable car, where basically Mila starts like saying, "Hey, we got to save this kid, otherwise we're gonna get nuked." Basically, <laughs> um, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna just drop the hammer on Raccoon City here, like just fully. Yeah. I, I think that's really funny. Have you ever seen Return of the Living Dead, the uh, the horror comedy? No, I haven't. That is also the kind of ticking, uh, literal ticking time bomb of that film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I love that we have yet another zombie movie where blowing up the city is pretty much the only way out of the narrative. Yeah, yeah. And, and this scene is like, this, this is Sienna Guillory's acting masterclass, this fucking oh, scene, yeah. where... Yeah. She is like trying. She's doing a lot of acting in this movie with her face. Um, she's smoking a cigarette. She's trying to be like a lot of smoking in this movie. Yeah, a lot of. I, th- I think Paul Davis Anderson may have a smoking thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah. she, she's like smoking and like sneering and trying like whatever she's doing. It's it's not acting. It's it's wild. It's like uh, she's ambul- to, It's ambulating her face is the kindest yeah. thing that I could call it. So, so like, her and Peyton are, like, kind of mad about this whole thing because they want to basically hole up in just, like, a safe house and, you know, wait for help. Um, but Mila talks them into going to this school. And so at some point here, I think Peyton, before they get to the school, turns into a zombie, right? Like, because Jill is trying yes. to, like, hotwire another car because they're they're just they're oh, yeah. just constantly stealing cars in this yeah. movie. Yeah, and for then some he, he like comes up from behind and and they 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 shoot him yeah. or whatever. She shoots she shoots him and she shoots him with her eyes closed. Um, mm-hmm. Which you know whatever. So they get into this school. I think this is around where we are now. They get into the school yeah. and they decide to split up to go look for this kid. Mm-hmm. And Carlos um, and Nikolai show up at some point because they have also yeah. been sent by Ashford to go to the school. Yeah, like, LJ is, like, dicking around in the science lab, and he gets accosted by, like, the zombified teacher, and he's, like, terrified, and Carlos shows up and kills the teacher, and, yeah, and this, I think, I I feel like we've gone actually past the first Nemesis thing, because there is- I think we have, I think we have, because- There is a sequence somewhere here with the laundry cart, right? Like, before this- because because when they're on the freeway, I think when they're fleeing the cemetery, um, 
they run into Nemesis on the highway. Yes, and Alice, and he shoots Alice, Peyton. Yeah, and they get separated or something like that. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but but that's they all right. they all meet back up at the um, school. At the school. Uh, there's a great scene where. Uh, the zombie dogs show up again. Uh, Jill has Jill has like found this kid. She's found Ashford, uh, but the zombie dogs are there and they kill Nikolai. And Jill like spreads gasoline or like sets off a gas leak or something and mm-hmm. tries to blow it up with a match. But then she can't because I know the match went out. But here comes Alice out of nowhere with like a cigarette for like no reason. Yeah. Like I guess just lighting it to look cool. And she throws it into the room with the zombie dogs and in the same motion pulls down a fire blanket and covers up herself and Angela Ashford as this like pillar of flame, like like this Lord of the Rings, like Balrog kind of just just torrent of flame comes out of this room and then it stops and they get up and they're perfectly fine. Uh, no, no consequences to that whatsoever. Jill isn't because she got like thrown by the fire into some tables, sure. got, like a concussion or whatever. But yeah. I, I do want to go back um, to the the scene where Peyton gets shot by Nemesis, and then Nemesis chases Alice because it has one of the craziest moments in this whole oh, series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she's like being chased through like I, it's some kind of building, like an apartment building or something, mm-hmm. by Nemesis, and she sees at the end of the hallway this like laundry <laughs> chute, and she just shoots a hole beneath it. <laughs> And then she, like, slides for, like, 50 feet down this hallway <laughs> into this laundry chute. Into this hole, and Nemesis points the fucking... She, like, lands in the laundry cart. Nemesis points the rocket launcher down the chute, blasts at her, and the laundry cart just completely shields her from yeah. the blast of this rocket. Yeah, this, like, plastic Home Depot, like, heavy-duty laundry cart. Uh yeah. You love to see it. I think she does break her finger there, and she resets she does, it. And she resets it. Yeah, and I think the, I think that's when Carlos gets the call to go to the school. If I'm remembering yeah, yeah. right. So so when they're when they're in the school, Carlos meets up with LJ. The reporter lady thinks she's found Ash, Ashla, Angela 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 Ashford. And yeah, Angela Ashford, and um, it turns out to be a zombie. And suddenly she's just surrounded by like a million zombie children. <laughs> who her, and that's yeah. the last we see of her. But yeah. then after after they find. Angela, they just they're just back in that room, and Mila just picks up her recorder. Yeah, and there's well, like no zombies around. Well, so, you know they know. you know zombie kids they they move in herds. Yeah, they're migratory, very quiet uh, too. Yeah, they tend um, to wonder. Um, so so this is where I noticed that Carlos basically all he does in this movie is is shitty one liners for most of yeah, it. Um, yeah, this is now where we move into kind of the last act of this film. Where it becomes, I would say, uh, substantially more incomprehensible in terms of the narrative, mm-hmm. at least. Like, I would describe, mm-hmm. if I had to describe this film in one word, I would say murky. And I mean both yeah, murky yeah. in terms of the visual palette and murky in terms of, like, the plotting in the narrative. Because I think, like, when I wake up tomorrow, I will probably not remember the majority of this film to be honest like i'll I'll think about bits of it but i'll have to wait another few months and watch it again and i'm like oh shit i forgot that that dude was in this you know yeah. uh it's very murky and this is where it gets murkier uh they make a plan through ashford 
to hijack an umbrella helicopter to escape the city with Angela, who we find out has the T-virus, which is regenerating her cells, but she mm-hmm. takes the vaccine so it doesn't mutate her, I suppose. Um, yeah, her thing is that, like, so uh, Dr. Ashford has some sort of disability where he can't walk, and I guess he's passed this down to her, uh-huh. um, where because she has the T-virus, she can walk, basically. Like, the idea is that the T-virus is enabling her to live like without crutches and without having to need a a wheelchair or anything like this so by taking the antivirus she is um regenerating cells regenerating basically yeah so it's it's basically like she may as well like have diabetes and it may as well be insulin right like it's that it's the same kind of general idea there so Mila immediately just takes this antivirus and just injects <laughs> Carlos with it. Like yeah. nothing, like, yeah. like you'll be fine. Um, we get this whole like weird thing where she and Carlos are just like flirting and like yeah. that runs through the rest of this, which it does actually tie into something later in the series somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wind up back at this helipad in like on top of like a hotel or something. Uh, they're walking towards this hotel and we get like a sniper on top of the hotel who's like aiming at them and mm-hmm. <laughs> suddenly his his scope goes black and Mila's just on top now of the hotel with him kills him hooks herself onto something at the top of the hotel and Ryan this is just this is this is top top number 1 moment of this entire movie i think <laughs> absolutely she runs down the side of this fucking building. She runs down the side of this building. It is incredible. The way they shoot it, uh, she's like, it has her like running flat, like it's a Batman, you know, yeah. 60s kind of thing. But then she's like, oh, running vertically. Uh, you can very, you. it's very easy to tell where the editing work went into like making this happen. Uh, mm-hmm. She's running. Then you see her like running from front on as she's like, just really whiffing her arms from side to side, like really pumping yeah. it down the side of this building. I it, It's one of those things where I think describing it doesn't do it a whole lot of justice, you know? Yeah, uh, you need to see it. You really need to see it. You need to see it. Uh, she, so she runs down the building. Uh, they murk all of these umbrella guys. But then it turns out that the umbrella people caught on to Ashford and they have kidnapped him. And they are waiting on the helipad, and essentially what they do, for whatever reason, uh, is force Alice into a hand-to-hand confrontation with Nemesis, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the I think the idea here that this that this movie is trying to suppose as it goes is that. Nemesis and Alice are both experimental bioweapons by the Umbrella Corporation, which is why they shot Alice full of virus juice because it makes her good, I guess. Like it like like she she is matrix matrixfied by the juice. Um Yeah. I, I like, like it really makes no goddamn sense. I, I, I cannot connect the dots on this at all. But um yeah. they the, uh they they have her fight Nemesis. They do like a sort like a fist a fisticuffs fight with with Nemesis. Um, at some point, Ashford gets shot and he he keels over. Uh, they 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 uh, 
restrain Carlos and Jill. And I think um, eventually what happens is is Mads Mikkelsen, the the guy, he gives Alice like a like a prod or something like that, and she duels yeah. Nemesis. And because Nemesis like rips a piece of like metal off the side of this building, yeah, which uh, he uses as a sword, and they're they're like immediately. As soon as he rips it off, like they immediately show you that, like, oh, there's an impaler here. Somebody's yeah, he's ripped it off. Yeah, so he gets um, impaled. He gets impaled, and Mads is like, "Kill him!" And Alice is refusing, which is where he gives her this big speech about what a disappointment she is because sure she won't kill him as she's what, like remembering <laughs> that it. As she's like remembering that like. It was the dude she fell in love with over the course of 10 minutes in the original movie or whatever. Now, I do have to um, mention, this is where we get her flashbacks to being on the hospital bed with him. Yeah. And, and yeah. I believe this is where we see the fucking incredible stand-in bald dummy they used for this guy. <laughs> like, 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 this is something that I would never would have noticed if we hadn't watched this movie enough, but like... Yeah. In these flashback sequences, if you watch the bottom of this frame, you see this, like, just the fakest-looking corpse I've ever seen. It's like, so like bad. It looks like it's a, it's, it's like a papier-mâché crash test dummy. It, it, it is, like, it's so bad that I can't imagine how anybody could even interpret it as being a human being. Like, like, like they literally yeah. just made this and plopped it down on that gurney. Uh, yeah. so, so he, like... He has his like moment where he gets a zoom in on his human eye beneath the nemesis costume. Then uh, he turns good and just kind of like waddles off from being impaled, yeah, he's and no just, one like, really does. Yeah. <laughs> he just does this great <laughs> shot where they're like talking. You just like see nemesis like walk off in the background. Um, yeah. So, so so Mads Mikkelsen is like doing his big plot, uh, but then nemesis picks up his chain gun and guns down the umbrella people. Uh, shit happens, uh, you know, Alice, uh, they, they all get on the helicopter, LJ is flying, and he, he, he knocks Mads Mikkelsen out, then they, they, they fly away, uh, as the nuke is, like, approaching the city, uh, Mads Mikkelsen gets thrown onto the ground, uh, out of the helicopter, he yeah. gets, he gets Day of the Dead choked on it by, uh, the zombies and by the Ashford zombie, then mm-hmm. uh, they're flying out of Raccoon City, and the the nuke hits and blows up, and just like knocks the helicopter out of the sky and kills literally everybody. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, you get this great moment as they're getting into the helicopter, where it's like this bizarre shot of Jill, like like a point of view shot where she's like picking you up off the ground, and it's it's yeah. so jarring. They're getting they're getting away, and after the like the blast happens, like something comes loose in the helicopter and starts flying towards Angela. Uh-huh. So Mila gets in front of it and just gets impaled. Yeah, just beefs like, it, I guess. Yeah. Just beefs it and the the helicopter crashes in the in the mountains. Uh-huh. Um and we cut to uh Ian Glenn from Game yeah. of Thrones. Well, the, well, I will say they established that uh the other people escaped and Alice is the only corpse they found, right? Um, yes, they do. Yeah. Cuz he's he's there at the crash site and they're all mm-hmm. like He's like, "Where are the other bodies?" and they're like, "There's nobody else. Just yeah, found it's, Alice's um, corpse." For for my Game of Thrones heads out there, it is uh, Jorah from Game of Thrones, a um a series I have only watched the first season of, but I know is very near mm-hmm. and dear to <laughs> to 
several to people who listen people. to this yeah. podcast. Yeah. yeah, I say that with very heavy sarcasm, but um, yeah, uh, he's here. Uh, probably the best actor in this whole franchise. Um, mm-hmm. He shows he shows up in this and the next one and a little bit later on, but um, he he kind of gives it his all. Uh, the, these are my last three notes here. Uh, draw a Game of Thrones, and then none of this makes any sense at all because the mm-hmm. ending of this film uh, feels like it goes on for an hour, and none of it means anything. Yeah, we we're in some kind of facility at this point, and we get this shot of nude Mila hooked up to like a bunch of tubes. She's like in a bunch of green goo, like suspended <laughs> animation. Yeah, they empty the tank and. What's his name? Jora. Jora yeah, like Jorah. Um, pulls her out of this tank. Stark fucking naked again, which is a, a thing I never remember. But Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson loves to get her naked in these movies. I think um, I think it's only in these first two, right? Like I don't I think, think so, I don't yeah. think she she's nude anymore after these. Yeah, but um, so like she's not able to talk. He's like, do you remember anything? Do you know who you are? He's showing her like this like clipboard and a pen and trying to get her to write, and she's like. Basically acting like she doesn't know how to do anything. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a guy sitting behind like a computer screen that's monitoring her brain activity. She's she, he's he goes into this speech about wanting her to get all these tests or whatever. She starts freaking out. It starts all coming up on the screen that like her brain activity is spiking and she's under incredible stress or whatever. And then she just like interrupts him and she's like, "My name is Alice." And, and I like, remember just, everything. Yeah. just full of attitude like there's just... there's this great moment where all the memories come flashing back to her and we see basically everything from this film condensed into like three three second chunks just like super quick <laughs> yeah. cuts uh yeah. so, so she she's back she murks basically everyone in the room except for jorah she walks out of the facility a guy is walking uh walk walking watching watching her on a surveillance camera and she looks at the camera and like blows up his brain with with telepathic (laughs) powers uh people come after her they shoot her uh she escapes the facility and there's all these guns on her and then wouldn't you know it a a black van comes up and a guy comes out and he says we'll take it from here and it's carlos 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 and the gang are here they're in umbrella disguises to break the apparently now psychic Alice out of this facility and uh, they get in the car and they head out. Yeah. And they drive out off and just as they're about to leave, they get to the checkpoint and the guard like goes to call in and Jorah's like, okay, let him go or whatever. And we get this shot of them basically driving off into whatever city they're in now, um, uh-huh. which will totally matter. Everything that we've just seen in the last five minutes is totally going to make sense going forward. The, the ending of this movie makes zero sense at all because the ending of this movie is she gets in the car and everyone's looking at her and they're like, are you okay, Alice? And she looks at them and she has like the nemesis HUD with like matrix ones and zeros. And then they drive away. Her eye becomes the umbrella logo for a second and the camera zooms out and it keeps zooming out of the city and then it reveals this like umbrella satellite over the earth and it just ends like that's the end and I I literally have having watched this entire franchise multiple times 
I still have no idea what that means. Like, like it means nothing. And the fact that, like, spoiler alert, Resident Evil Extinction ignores everything that happens at the end of this film. Like, it's yes. it, it is completely irrelevant to the plot of the third film. Like, like they aside from the psychic power stuff, none of this ever comes up ever again. I don't think we ever see Angela Ashford in this series. Nope. Uh, we, we don't see, I mean, we, we do see Jill. We do see Carlos. Uh, we, we see LJ surprisingly. Like he had, he has a pretty major role in the third film. He does. Yeah. He's, but he's, like, he's a big part of it. Yeah. Like I, what do you, what does the ending of this film mean to you? Like, what is your interpretation of the ending of apocalypse? My interpretation of the ending of Apocalypse is that Paul had a good idea, or what he thought was a good idea, and then at some point he hit a, he hit a wall with writing the sequel <laughs> and went, or he or he watched Mad Max and went, oh, I'm going to do that instead. Like, yeah, um, I, I think I th- I think the implication is that she is now an umbrella drone, right? Like yes, that, like is. like yeah. they have they have taken control and they are going to control her nemesis style through this satellite. But there's no there's no lead up to that whatsoever. There's no implication that that's what's happening in this film. I think if they had just put like the satellite up there when they were controlling nemesis, it would have made a little bit more sense. But it's total nonsense and the film takes it so seriously too, right? Like it wants yeah. you it wants you to buy into this whole mythos that it's creating that is number one total batshit nonsense and number two never comes up again for the rest of these movies right and yeah <laughs> that's really like, funny I, to me i i think it's it's worth noting for people who are listening to this who maybe haven't seen these movies uh-huh. uh in the past this is the last one of these movies that has anything even resembling a narrative. Like, yes. Yeah. At at this point forward, like it's just nonsense. It is just whatever Paul thought of on that day. Like is what's going into this stuff. Like it's <laughs> yeah. It's 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 about to become just an interconnected series of ways to make Mila Jovovich look cool. God bless. And, honestly, that's what. Yeah. That's why. That's why the following three movies are so good. Is because that's all they yes. are. There is no pretense to it whatsoever. Uh, it, it just is him cooking up these scenarios to put her in and it whips ass every single time. Like it's so yeah. good. Like, I feel like almost, you know how when they, um, when they released uh deadly premonition two and they rebranded deadly premonition as deadly premonition origins. I feel like that's what this is to the resident evil franchise, like resident evil mm-hmm. and resident evil apocalypse are essentially resident evil origins. And then three, four, uh, five and six are the are the Resident Evil capital R E Resident Evil experience. Like it's what people think of yes. when they think of these movies for the <clears throat> most part. Yeah, like this. Like it's about to just get silly, and that's 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 what we want. Like that's what we've come to this series for, right? Like this is yeah. that's why we're why we're doing this as mm-hmm. a, as a little mini series. Like is because of the just ridiculous shit that happens in the next three movies. Um, it does always make me want to know, like, what was his idea? Like, like if, if I could sit down and ask him, like, what was the ostensible, like bridge between apocalypse and extinction? Like there's another Uh movie 
that you could put there in is there is them. watching extinction is like there's just like a movie missing like this is a seven film series where the real third film is just gone right because yeah. it picks up like like just a little setup for extinction it picks up years later alice is fine now she's normal uh the world has become like a mad max wasteland for some reason uh yeah. lj is like running with the survivor convoy and it's never mentioned or addressed or any like no time is paid at all to explaining how everyone got here right like there is mm-hmm. there is one if not two whole films worth of material which could bridge the gap between these so yeah exactly like it, it can it cannot be overstated how thoroughly disconnected extinction is from literally anything which was established at this point yeah it's 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 a soft reboot in a lot of ways it, it really, kind for of this is thing. yeah you know it's 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 so good. I I love it so much. Like we're we're gonna see LJ as you said. We're we're gonna see Carlos. We're never gonna hear mention of Jill again until like two movies from now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and like her and ta- like everything that's gonna happen with her, like it's Rules. never explained. She's just no. she's just gonna show up at some point. We're gonna be introduced to Claire in the next movie or how she meets up with this crew. We're never uh-huh. going to really find out. Like we're going to see like, like this next movie has a fairly large central cast in it. Like mm-hmm. it's got other people who are like actors. It's got, I think Ashanti is in it somehow. Like yeah. at the height of her fame somehow got into this movie. Like there's just a lot of things missing. There's entire arcs, entire characters, we're we're about to meet the most ridiculously named character in movie history like i <laughs> yeah. like it, it, it this, this is the jumping off point for where the series like really gets good mm-hmm. yeah like like i do i do like these uh first two movies you know they're they're, they're fun yeah. enough watch um i i would rate out of out of five rubber suited bioweapons I would give this one a little bit lower than the first one. I think I said the first one was a three. Uh, this mm-hmm. one I would give like a two point five, right? Like it's it's yeah, it's kind of bad on my eyes, like physically to watch, but it's it's absurd enough, especially in the larger context of the franchise, that it's still a pretty fun watch. Yeah, it it is. It's I, I would tend to agree that two point five would be about fair for this. I uh huh. I, I I think the the highs are high, but the the moment to moment, the sense of space, the editing, the just the the way that it's so hard to even having just watched it an hour ago, like remind myself of like what <sighs> sequence things happen yeah. in. Like it's it's just kind of confused and it like it it, it is it is definitely one of the less competently made of these Uh Um, i would say this is bottom two for me it's this this is number five and then number six is number one no number one at the bottom with a bullet i should say is final chapter Uh, uh, unquestionably the the worst movie in this franchise yeah it you know it's forgettable you know there there really isn't anything about it that's going to stick in your mind like the laser hallway isn't there some of the more ridiculous set pieces of later movies aren't there mm-hmm. the like 
even like the costume design is lacking in comparison like yeah nemesis looks like shit jill is just like a cosplay outfit of jill you know um (laughs) alice's costume is just not really anything it's just like a red shirt and jeans we didn't like, mention this but she gets her clothes from an ammunition store which is yeah, uh, she does like one she stop does. one stop shop ammunition women's clothing i suppose yeah it is yeah uh, it, it's like in borat too when the guy gets cheetos and beer at the at the ammo store <laughs> yeah um you know like even those small things the the less distinctive soundtrack the less like it's just a lesser movie than the first one in every single way but it's still fun it's it's still a good like i'm hanging out with friends i'm gonna put this on and we're all gonna laugh at the funny movie with the bad acting like it's you know it's it it's a good time still yeah It, it would not be like my first choice right like if i come in on this franchise and just watch a selection I am just going to watch three, four, and five, right? Like Extinction, Afterlife, mm-hmm. and Retribution. I, if I had to skip any of them, I would probably skip these first two. And uh, again, not a bad experience. Uh, it is important to watch if you're watching all of these. Uh, you know, it's fun enough. But um, I think it's okay, right? I um, yeah. I think they miss some opportunities with stuff like pulling from the games which I know I think I said last week is something not to expect from these movies. But like, if you're going to pull from, you know, two and three and do Nemesis, why not just also do Birkin, right? Like have the weird fucked up dude with the, with the eyeball arm. Right. And, um, I guess it's all in service of his greater narrative, which is that Alice is supposed to be a weapon or something. She's a weapon. Nemesis is a weapon. Like, like whatever. I feel like, I feel like her being a weapon is kind of touched on going forward. Right. Like, like people, it is the umbrella characters definitely bring it up, but it's never quite as heavily referenced as it is, at least in terms of how it's implied in this movie. Yeah, totally. And I I just think that, like, you know, that first movie, as weak as the themes are, you can at least say that he's kind of trying to do things with, you know, corporate distrust and Uh corporate espionage and unchecked capitalism, and it kind of has an Alice in Wonderland motif running through it, like... Uh There, there are more ideas I think in in the first one, whereas this just feels like a bridge to something else. Um, like it, it really does feel like a prologue for a greater story that he's trying to tell and that he forgets by the time the next <laughs> one comes along. So yeah, there's there's know. almost like a you know like an anti-authority, like anti-police yes. kind of statement for nice. like five minutes at the very beginning of this, but it's completely dropped because zombie is cool. Jill Valentine, cool. Nemesis, ostensibly yes. cool, right? Yeah, totally. You know, I, I think you could be very generous and say it's kind of a f- feminist movie in some ways. Because I mean, it does... you, could, you could argue that about almost all of these movies, right? Yeah, you like, could. Like, you could. I, not, to, not to say that this is like the highest mark of a film's quality, but I think every one of these passes the Bechdel test, like if you want to apply yeah. that to these films. Absolutely, every single one of them does. Yeah. And, they all have you know, female characters who are 
defined beyond a single character trait, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, the, I, the, I would say the, so. <laughs> yeah, the, the one competent character in the entire franchise is a woman, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 think, I think he's trying to make a feminist statement, but it also has to be contrasted with how, like, absolutely horny these movies also yeah. are for Miljovovich. Yeah. So it's... It, like it is very male gazy as well. I I think we're not quite at the point in this franchise where where I could say that this is a postmodern like masterpiece. Not quite, like, not quite there yet. But but in a, yeah. in a few movies we'll be able to make that argument. Yeah, like it's not it's not quite reached the um, experimental filmmaking <laughs> level yet. Yeah, um, but yeah. it will. Oh yeah. It's uh, it it gets really potent. Do we wanna do we wanna wrap up really quick and maybe talk about the uh, Monster Hunter news that happened today? Like just kind of touch on that yeah, with Paul and sure. Mila's monster I, I, movie. Yeah, Paul and Mila's monster movie, which has had a little bit of controversy. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. Found out that it's releasing in the West on Christmas Day, which is certainly a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got pulled from theaters in China after... A single day, right? Like one day, yeah. One day, because there's like... It's like a joke where this character points to his knee and he's like, you know what this is? And some other dude goes, your knees? And then he responds with, my Chinese? First of all, that's terrible writing, a terrible joke. And yeah, the response to it has been extremely negative, as you would expect in in China. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been pulled from Chinese theaters. It's apparently being re-edited before it gets shown again. And uh, if they re-edit too much out of that movie, there's not going to be anything left. Right. Like how like I, I am really like just keeping Resident Evil in mind as, as sort of a touchstone. I am dying to see what he did with that franchise, right? Like yeah. if it if it is even as half as good as Afterlife Retribution, it'll be a great time, you know. Yeah. But uh, this this has me a little bit worried. Uh, yeah, this this and the copious amounts of American military technology. Uh, featured in the film make me a little bit uh uneasy i will say yeah i I, i'm i'm kind of interested to see if he tries to make some kind of commentary on u.s military imperialism or anything like that Uh like i don't know i don't i (laughs) you know we talked about it last week a little bit but he is somebody who's on record of saying he doesn't care what critics think or no. about messages in his movies or anything like that he just wants people to cheer and go wild when they see him which you know uh, we're gonna be doing some we're gonna, cheering we're gonna there's be gonna be some, some cheering. cheering on this yeah. podcast God, yeah i'm i'm so excited to get through the next one just so i can we can see the real star of this fucking franchise in a couple movies oh time. god <laughs> I'll, all i'll say all i will say is that if you do not know where these films go, if you do not know the trajectory of these movies, if you don't know the characters involved, anything like that, all I am going to say is that at some point while these movies were being made, I believe right after, um, probably right after Extinction came out, Resident Evil 5 was released. Mm Mm-hmm. And the impact that had on this franchise going forward uh, 
is immeasurable. It is, it, is. It, 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 I would say the tone of that game and some of the plot points of that game completely changed the trajectory of where these movies went and, <laughs> and for the better, I would say yeah. really, really incredible stuff coming up. Do we have uh, anything else we want to touch on about apocalypse? I, um, I, I feel like, I feel like we've done this movie justice, right? Like it's fine. It's enjoyable enough. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good time. There's, it's nothing special. It's, it's pretty forgettable, you know, but if, if all you want is to see Miliovich run down a building, a bad nemesis and a bad Jill cosplay, like the, the, this movie's got you covered. You know, if yeah, you, if you want to see zombies and if you want to look at Toronto, like, you know, mm. that, that's what this movie is. You're really selling me on it here. Yeah. Um, a lot of, they, Toronto, the Toronto Film Board uh, should get together with the, the uh, Toronto Tourism Board and do like Kazakhstan did with Borat too, and make Apocalypse like one of their featured, like yeah. uh, you know, featured films to attract tourists to the city. Like, hey, we're we're, we're Raccoon City. Check this shit out. <laughs> I I joked about it at the end of last week's episode, but fucking Scott Pilgrim wishes it was as Toronto as this fucking movie. Like, oh yeah. my god, it's so bad. Like, it's so it's so goofy. But anyway, next week is Resident Evil Extinction. Uh, Mad AKA Max, a Resident <laughs> Evil Fury Road, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fury Road. Uh, we're gonna meet up with Carlos and LJ and some just tremendous other characters next week. Uh, but until then, Ryan, you do another show on the internet. Where can people find it? Yeah, I do the show Emoji Drome with uh, Sylvia from Friends at the Table. We, I think, by the time this comes out, we'll have released a new episode. So keep an eye out for that. We take emoji and we rate them and discuss them and we have a lot of fun. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at CurseGoat. And if you'd like to find my little letterbox reviews that I do, that is at SewerPeak, which is P-E-A-K. What about you, Niall? What's up with you these days? Yeah, uh, video game stuff at videogamechoochoo.com. I uh, do not have a personal Twitter, but you can find me on Letterboxd at EmoChrist. Um... We have a show Twitter at Borat Club still. We may eventually change that in the new year. Um, you can email us at BoratClubCast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on either or any of these Resident Evil movies. Very much appreciated. Um, and if you enjoy the show, please uh, tell a friend. Leave us a like or a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts. We very much appreciate it. Uh, we don't advertise. We're not part of a network, so anything you can do to spread uh, awareness of this, we very much appreciate, and it does help us out a lot. Um, so yeah, until next week when we face extinction, um, Ooh, Ryan, thank okay. you as ever, uh, and we'll see you soon. See you soon.